0: Welcome to the Tennis.com Podcast, presented by Tennis Express. We deliver tennis worldwide, right to your front door. And now, here's your host, Ed McGrogan.
1: Hi everyone, Tennis.com Podcast here today. It's a mailbag edition. We did, we've gotten your questions. We're going to take some of the best ones and answer them as best we can. Pete Bodo, Steve Tigner, and Ed McGrogan will be providing the answers. And... Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what we can do here. Well, and we encourage more questions in the future. Once again, the address is tennis dot com. We'll try to make this a regular occurrence on
2: the on the show here. So, yeah, we need some good questions, though, folks. Yeah, <laughs> you heard them. Not like is Andy Roddick gonna win Wimbledon next year? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! How many Grand Slam titles <laughs> this... does Rafael Nadal have?
1: <laughs> it's shaping up. It, it's taking shape.
2: You guys are smart. You, you, I know you. I know you'll do better than that. Yeah. <laughs> We'll
1: start with the first one. Start with a player who doesn't have to worry about winning a slam anymore, Elaine Dementieva. Trevor Fields asks Do you think Elena Dementieva will be inducted into the Tennis Hall of Fame? After all, she is a two time Olympic medalist, including gold, and a two time Grand Slam finalist. So, a lot of you guys out there who, who read John Wertheim, who's a good friend of ours, his mailbag, that's a, a topic that kind of comes in all the time this Hall of Fame chatter a big point of discussion there a lot of people sometimes say it's a little too easy to get into some of the standards that have been set guys like michael chang were in it a couple years ago one slam guy i think the the
3: the main one that people that, that sort of set the bar lower was pam shriver she never won a singles grand slam but she had a great doubles career I guess it's – I mean the Hall of Fame needs to induct somebody each year because they have that ceremony. So sometimes if there's a weak year, right, nobody's somebody around. In there. The around, Dementiava's going to get in. Do yeah,
2: we see you, Vince Badiuk getting into the right. Hall of Fame?
3: And you see that in other sports too
1: where you, you'll have you'll have Hall of Fame classes one year that are just loaded exceptionally. Right. And some guys get denied because of just sort of the luck of when they retired. And then the next year you'll see a very tepid class of individuals.
3: Yeah, so that could happen with the Mente I I would say that she should get in. She was – she had a good career. She didn't win a slam. She did win an, she did win an Olympic gold medal. She does she does I mean it, she's on the she's on the borderline. If Pam Shriver can go in though, then I would say Dementieva can
2: go. In. I think you put I think you put consistency up there in your criteria. My crit- my criteria used to be two slams or better basically. You know, uh no one slam wonders. Gaston Gaudio definitely does not belong in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. Nor does Eva, Eva Mayoli. But when you look at somebody who's like Michael Chang is, is a guy who kind of turned me on this one. Frankly, you know, I, you know, I looked at his records and no slams. Uh, I'm sorry, French Open, the one one major. But you know, the guy was always there. He played a part in historic matches. He was really, really consistent. He helped make the careers of some of these other guys. And you know, given you know, like Steve says, you know, you got Pam Shriver in there. I said. Well, you know, at some point, that consistency really, really does count. Okay, consistency.
3: You, don't, it, you don't necessarily need, you know. Thomas Johansson isn't going to get in. Right. But Dementieva is a stronger candidate than somebody like that, even if she doesn't have a slam.
1: Cons- consistency, I think, is important in this too, because you know, for all that it takes to win a slam, it to win a slam, it does only take two weeks of getting hot, essentially, and that's, that's where right. that's where you think of guys like Gaudio and that. And you, when you mention to slam that bear, guy like. Murat Safin might come to mind he's a two slam winning guy he's a guy who will probably be on ballot sooner or later just like Dementia here. he's going so, in Safin's yeah. going oh no, he's in. definitely going to
3: have him speak
2: no, oh. <laughs> they like to load it up with people they uh, they can get. Uh, so get, the question is going to be, the before it's long, who's not going to be in the Hall of Fame in yeah. some ways? But it, you know, it's a good effort, though. What you know, what really always kind of surprises me is, you know, the Europeans. You know, really think the Hall of Fame concept is you know ridiculous, patently ridiculous,
1: especially because maybe it's an American thing. It takes it's held in America, and it's more of well, an, it's American an American concept, of, yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Right. But
2: I don't understand. You know, I, and that I just don't understand their lack of. Sort of getting it on that in that regard. I mean, because in a lot of ways you would think Europeans particularly would be interested in. The history of the game and and acknowledging the past and, and having a repository for all this great information and honoring these great foreign players. You know, you know, Europe, you know, Europe's very much about history and it cherishes their history and their cultural institutions and stuff like yeah. that. Why are they are so resistant to the Hall of it Fame?
3: It was thought it was ridiculous. So did
1: Newport just be, I mean, I know that's where tennis was it was a major starting point in the US. Did they just beat them to the punch and become the International Tennis Hall of Fame, which is what it's called there.
3: Yeah, I mean, they just because they could they could call themselves that because there wasn't any, yeah, there weren't, there weren't yeah, any there others. No nobody even thought of it Hall before,
1: of right? And question, I want to question, I actually forget this is there a waiting period in te- like what kind of waiting period, number of years after you retire? Is that anything that either of you know off the top of your head?
2: Uh, I don't think they have. Uh, I, I think what they've done is they've broken it down into categories. Uh, Contributors Recent and then historical, yeah, they do have c- categories like contributors. There are a couple, you know, really bogus sort of people in there who just worked the politics right because they knew the people on a board and stuff like that. And it was a big controversy. I wrote a lot about it at the web blog about Nick Bolteri, who did not get in as a contributor. Uh, has not gotten, you know, even though he's eligible to be in, and, you know, that seems to me clearly a political, you know, maybe not even a political, but kind of a, a prejudicial issue. I mean, just people, they don't like the idea of Nick Boliteri, who's got a kind of a controversial image, you know, being in a Hall of Fame. Well, you know, I guess fair enough, whenever it's a vote, if, if it's a sort of a democratic vote, then there's nothing you can say about that. But I mean, I think that does cast a little bit, if you look at some of the people who are in as contributors, and then Look at a Nick Baltari who's not, and you say, "Wait a second! This is totally random. This is just, you know, my buddies. You know, I want my buddies in? People I don't like, you know, keep them out, no matter what their contribution is." But I think they have recent, recent players, and they also have historical players that they put onto the ballot. So they they have broken it down a little bit. One of the things they did do, one of the reasons that they've lowered. Uh, whatever age requirement they had, or when that, that it's not no longer just about putting in names from the distant past, is because they felt like they needed to ramp up their exposure and their public profile. So they know that if they're inducting a Jimmy Connors or a Pete Sampras or an Elena Dementieva, they're going to get some publicity out of that.
1: And I guess you're right that they have to not just induct somebody, Steve, they have to induct a couple of people. They just can't have, you know, one person taking the mic and each July, I suppose. No, they can't up. have nobody. Yeah, they definitely <laughs> can't have nobody. That's true. The uh, next question, one of Pete's favorites, as he just mentioned in the introduction here, Edward Kelly, good name there, from San Antonio writes, what kind of results do you think Andy Roddick will produce in 2011? Do you think he has the ability to win at least one more slam? This is the, this has been an annual question for a while now, and it's, it's just sort of just as annual as what's going to have what's with American tennis this kind of just segues
3: off well the you'd have to, you have to if you look at his his slams from last year you, you'd say no he's he's sort of steadily going going in the wrong direction he didn't he didn't do that well you know he, he reached the final of Wimbledon in 2009 and almost won it this past year he didn't he didn't um, even make it to the quarterfinals um, he has played well this fall and he will I think he'll continue to to be to be around I don't think he's I don't see a I mean, I don't know, he's he's twenty nine now. We'll see. He will continue to, to decline. I would say that I would say that no, he, he won't win another slam.
2: Andy is going to win Wimbledon. I've said that. I've said that every year since God knows when. And and I'm, win it I'm, I'm sticking with it. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I'm not going to abandon ship. I'm not going to be a, a fair with a fan, as it were. I've always been a, you know, sort of a fan erotics game, basically, and and even more so, I think his personality and his work ethic. And I think he's got it in him to win Wimbledon because as long as he can crank that serve, you know, he, he's he's in with a shot. And he, you know, he's he had the misfortune of running into Federer late, you know, at a number of the tournaments. And, you know, one day, you know, I kept I kept thinking, you know, I actually expected that it would have happened by now, that, you know, something was going to happen, you know, maybe Federer, you know, gets injured or gets upset, and then Roddick has to beat like a Beardick in the final or, you know, back-to-back. You know, not not that Beardick's a slam dunk for him, but, you know, I think he's got the game to win Wimbledon. I still think he's going to do it, and until the day he retires... You know, he's improved his fitness, but he's, he's been... More
1: injury-prone of late, too, definitely. He, he's yeah, had he a, cu- a past year. couple
2: of years, this year in
1: particular, missed. But then others, he, he's definitely been on the mend a, quite a few times recently. Possibly
3: one problem, he's got in and Nadal. Those guys win all the slams. It's not like there's even been... Many random slam winners in the last five years, let alone Roddick. There has barely been anybody else who's won besides
2: those two guys. Not too many leftovers at that at that table. Although I must say it was pretty, pretty disappointing this year, this past year. And you know, not, again, not that I think you would have beaten Nadal or or Federer, but you know, uh, the way he lost, you know. Uh, this year, and I think he was looking pretty good going in, and you know that was a, sort of a big opportunity. He needs to be getting to those semis and finals, and you know it's fine. You lose to Federer and Nadal, you, you? can't complain about that. But you know when you if you start losing to guys when you get knocked down, like he lost to Gasquet one year, I guess right, and he's he's had some bad losses later in his career at Wimbledon. And that's, he lost that's to work Lou against last him. year. Didn't play a good match. Yeah, against Lou that he, you gotta win that match. He didn't really right.
3: have a good Grand Slam season last year. He had a good strong spring this past year. This past yeah, year. Right. Uh, yeah, this past year, sorry. keep a and Indian Wells. And then then yeah. he kind of lost his momentum through the through the heart of the Grand Slam season.
1: Yeah, he's I've I've been like you, Pete. I, I have felt that Roddick is it's an inevitability that he'll win another slam, but I think this year is when I've Finally, I think changed my tune. I guess I just—it seems like we've seen so many examples of him running into running into the hot player and not and not being able to overcome them. That over seven matches, he's going to run into someone, and he's not running in all the time into guys like Djokovic and Murray. He's run into like the Timuris, Gavish, and mm-hmm. of the world, and the light and the and the lose of the world. So he he just hasn't demonstrated that kind of consistency over the the tier of opponents that without a doubt at that level in best of five
2: he should be beating so. yeah but does it get in the hall of fame <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you can ask the question of uh, you know you yes. can ask the question of Andy too uh, along with Dementieva yep
0: shop Tennis Express for the best selection of top brands with expert service at fair prices the Tennis Express team is available to help you find the right tennis gear shop Tennis Express and find out why their customers call them a candy store for tennis players Call 1-800-833-6615 or log on to www.tennisexpress.com today. Okay, next question we have from David
1: Gladfelter who asks a uh, a numbers-based question here. Wondering about how much money the USTA makes on broadcast rights to the U.S. Open. And this is a, a question that, you know, the USTA gets, gets income from around the world here. There's not just... The U.S. channels, of course, but we we do track down those figures. Sports Business Daily came up. Uh, we're looking at the r- most recent deals they signed. Uh, it, it's generally around. It's over the the two six-year deals they've recently signed with CBS for 145 million and ESPN along with the tennis channel for 140 million. USCA is bringing in 285 million over the next. Over a six-year stretch, they kind of intersect these deals, so they're making around 50 mil a year. We've kind of estimated over these two year, over these two deals. The slams obviously are king in tennis. The players treat them that way. Everybody's have seen. Seeing the lower events sort of relegate on the totem pole compared to the slams, and that's why they're drawing so much of this money here. So,
2: there's a reason you have Arthur Ashe Stadium, this magnificent 20,000 seat venue, sitting there vacant all year, other than, other than during the U.S. Open tennis term. I think that's kind of a crime. I mean, they I, can afford know, it, I, I don't they get can it, they can afford it. it, and they have to be able to afford it. I mean, there are city based related problems with that. You know, I mean, they can only do so much there in terms of traffic and traffic patterns and facilities, infrastructural issues. I think one of the deals was that when the USGA got the right to build Arthur Ashe? They negotiated away their ability to sort of maximize and increase their revenue. Otherwise, which you know may have been a mistake. I don't know.
1: Yeah, the and um, the Open, like we said, it's recently gone to Tennis Channel over the past few years. Wimbledon has, has always been a coveted a coveted rights holder. Australian Open has bounced around a little bit. Um, the when Tennis Channel came in a couple of years ago, they first I believe took the French Open, I think they had a a, a little bit of that, but um, everything nowadays, Tennis Channel, ESPN, and all the slams are doing quite well, I'm sure of that.
2: Yeah, but you know, you, 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 then you look at how much it costs. I always wonder about this too. When you, you when you look at some of these, these just look at that player lounge, for instance, in there for the first week with, you know, one hundred twenty eight player draw singles in singles, men's and women's. Then you got the doubles and you've got the youth and everything else. you got this enormous cafeteria servicing these people. You've got the president's box. You know, I mean, I, yeah, I guess if somebody wants to, you'd be surprised how fast the 50 million can go. I can you know. <laughs> Uh, well, they seem to be.
3: They all seem to be doing well. They all have upgraded all of their facilities in the last ten years, and they're all planning to, to upgrade them even more. Them. Even the French Open.
2: Yes. And they have a big advantage in that they're not for profit uh, institutions, and they have to be careful with that too, because you know it, it's not like they can be making all this money and then and then wasting it on on silly stuff. But you know they they get kind of lucky because basically. You know they can take a fair amount of that money and make it really attractive for the players to come, both in terms of prize money and facilities and the stuff they do for, like, like transport. Can you have, you know, granted are sponsorship deals? You know, uh, like with Mercedes to transport the players back and forth from the city or or wherever they want to go, or even give them cars in many cases. But I mean, that's got to cost a lot. Of money. Can you imagine insurance? That must must cost. You know, when you when you try to insure Roger Federer's ride across the uh, Tryborough, Roger Bridge.
1: Federer's. <laughs> the van with roger federer's image on it which is actually what i saw going around new york city here they have they have stuff of the players with federer on the on there so you know what's going on um one one thing to, to kind of segue off that question is one thing we haven't discussed that much here is uh recently it was this this past week here indian wells and miami the two tournaments you most people would consider right under the slams in terms of prestige they just signed a deal. They're coming back to ESPN and ABC. Uh, they'll be broadcast on those starting this year. Indian Wells and Miami were on ESPN for quite a while since I started watching tennis in the you know early in the mid to late '90s, and then kind of once those properties left ESPN, they decided that they just. I don't. I'm not sure if they if they are even going to be moneymakers. Maybe this was a a, thing. a
3: surprise to me. I know when I, I talked to people at ESPN when they gave them up, they said they couldn't, they just couldn't sell the ads for these for these tournaments. The sponsors of the tournaments wouldn't then go ahead and buy ads on ESPN. So they, ESPN went to the slams. That's the place that they could sell. So it's, I assumed when when Fox Sports dropped um, Indian Wells and Key Biscayne that it was going to go to go to the tennis channel. That everything was just going to eventually go to the tennis channel. So This is a surprise, and I think it's a it's a good surprise for tennis. Um, that ESPN and ABC would have would have the confidence
2: in these two non Slam events. Yeah, I think they probably look at them as properties. It could really kind of kind of build up pretty well. And look, they're getting into partnership with with some pretty heavy hitters. You got uh, Butch Buckholz, who's retired as the CEO of 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 the Sony Erics, uh, Ericsson Open in Miami. Masters tournament, uh, Keybus Gate. IMG Uh,
3: owns that event.
2: IMG owns that event. But Butch Buckholz is a very, very well connected guy. Butch Buckholz is also thinking about, you know, uh, his party to an attempt to create a Davis Cup sort of a comp- competitor to the davis cup because the itf doesn't want to change davis cup if these guys buck Holtz and his cronies get to do and convince the atp and wta which have checked off on the idea and say yeah it's a good idea if they start mounting alternate davis cup espn's right in there they're already doing business with these guys then you got larry ellison in palm springs you know big tennis nut founder of oracle 56 or richest man in the world now espn suddenly is in cahoots with him so there's this there's this kind of synergistic You know, thing I think that that happens, and I think it's I think it's why I was surprised ESPN let those tournaments go, as it were. I mean, I know the U.S. Open Series became a big focus for them, but I think those those two properties, you know, to sort of pay off from having those, I think is 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 not always visible.
1: Yeah, it's it's always those two. The thing with those events is they don't lead, like you're saying, the U.S. Open Series into the U.S. Open. That's always been kind of a. A negative about them that i think is is one of the reasons why these these two events got off the national radar for a while and now they'll be back on abc actually i i asked steve yesterday has is abc ever done tennis in let's talk about like the past like 15 20 years we i couldn't it's usually been an nbc and a cbs display has abc ever to your knowledge
2: Oh, they did a long time ago but long time not, not not in recent history not since you had things like the master series and and WTA's you know lineup of premier mandatory and the US Open series no they're 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 not even players in this game so you know it's it's really kind of left there and and really given how tennis kind of falls off the radar between slams and even it's kind of a struggle as as everyone admits during the masters events to get appropriate you know attention I think uh, ABC is just saying, you know, they, they don't want to wade into that and start competing for second-rate things, or have to jump up three notches of commitment and, and go head-to-head with CBS for 145 million bucks over six years for the U.S. Open. So they're, it's just probably just not on their radar. They say they don't want to go there.
1: And like you said, Steve, no matter, no matter who is broadcasting it or how much broadcast tennis gets. Everybody's going to still be complaining about who's being shown, yeah, who knows?
3: Depends. who the commentators are. It's it depends like, on what kind of fan you are, I guess, whether you think this is good or not. If you want it all on the tennis channel, maybe, maybe that would have been the better choice. I think for the sport, obviously, to be on ESPN and to be on a national network, you, know, you, have, to, you have to like this
2: let's not forget you also don't know what kind of deals are going on. I mean it, it isn't that long since tennis used to buy its way onto television which people didn't realize the ATP would pay would buy the time on ESPN or on Fox or on any other network that they chose just to they get would the actually buy them. that time so they could get onto TV and then of course if they sold enough ads you know they made the money back but they were you know they were willing and often did take a hit that's you know, just true
3: you don't you don't know what the deal is you, you know CBS e- the US Open is still on CBS but for a lot less money than it used to be.
1: That's in fact what the this is sort of a similar situation. That's what the NHL did after its lockout of 5 years back. They paid NBC to go on to to go on their network just because the the only other TV deal they had was with a, a minor channel versus which Winnipeg, WKRT in yeah, Winnipeg besides, besides the C- the CBC affiliates up there in Northwest Territories is they they bought their way basically on national T V and in the past few years, with the influx of some of the some good young players in the league and Sidney Crosby's Alex Ovechkins, they've gotten some momentum and now are renegotiating their deals with NBC and also ESPN. So it's it, it actually kinda reminded me of that in that if 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 this ter- if these tournaments sort of take off in a little bit of a way, I think they need to hope for the usual suspects
2: to keep winning them. Well, you that. know it's clear. They you can know,
1: they can maybe make this can turn to a long-term property for everybody it's
2: like the stimulus package it's like our, our national President Obama stimulus package you know, the idea behind it, even when Bush started with the tarp it was you know basically you got to infuse the money you got to sort of keep things going so you know the, you know tennis tennis like hockey is looking at saying well you know if we don't you know pony up here and make the investment then it's going to disappear off the radar but if we inject our money now and get it on TV maybe it'll get some traction and things will kick in and things will start rolling again and I think that's that's the idea behind all these things yeah, and see how well the stimulus the package works. <laughs> yeah,
1: right, exactly. <laughs> it seems about a good time to end the show then on that. No. Uh, we'll take any, again, any question you have, podcast at tennis.com and we'll be back uh, later on with another sh- podcast. Talk about everything in the world of tennis with Pete Bodo, Steve Tatner, Ed McGrogan Thanks for listening.
0: You've been listening to the tennis.com podcast, presented by Tennis Express the tennis industry's Retailer of the Year. For more news and information, head over to tennis.com. Thanks for listening.